you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth on wednesdays at 4 p.m eastern time i go live on facebook to share my design tips to answer your questions to talk about what's going on in my world. Well, I not only share it on Facebook, now I'm going to be sharing it on my podcast. So today you will be hearing a recording of my most recent Facebook Live. Enjoy. Happy holiday week. I love popping on to answer your questions, to update you, and I am feeling more than ready to be here today because unlike a regular work week, well, Friday I would be tired or I would be ready to switch to weekend mode, I am feeling so rejuvenated by this holiday week, having all of Wednesday off, and then by choice choosing to do something a little crazy and take Thursday and Friday off. It's been amazing. It has been restorative. And for the first time in a while, I have felt really imbalanced. And by imbalance, that might have sounded like imbalance, but I meant in balance. I have been feeling in balance this week because not only did I go to the dentist, did I spend time with family, but I also got some time to do my own stuff. In fact, today I met up with a friend and we went to the ballet. We went to see Whipped Cream by the American Ballet Theater in Manhattan. And as a visual person, as a person who gets a lot of inspiration from looking at pictures, looking at websites, shopping for things, I love it when I can get visual inspiration from something that's outside of my everyday. So I love watching a good movie. Like, remember Marie Antoinette long ago? I just remember being so overwhelmed by the visual stimulation of that and so excited by it. But... um. I just went to whipped cream. And speaking of visual decadence, every time I looked around the stage, I saw something new that was inspiring me, that was mesmerizing. And of course, it was very over the top. There were all these pastels, which you know are super on trend right now, if you were listening to last week's um, edition. So yeah, pastels are so in right now, um, utilizing these colors that are often considered, you know, muted tones are just so popular, but seeing them on the stage in this 
sort of kaleidoscope. In fact, my friend described it as a hallucination of decadence, and it truly was. But my favorite part, after we left, you know, we were debriefing a little bit. We were talking about the experience. And I said, you know, to my friend, I said, what was your favorite costume? And she mentioned, oh, well, maybe it was this slithering white and red thing that kept going around the stage. Or maybe it was this big polka dot giraffe that had these ears that kept flopping all the way around. And uh, maybe for me, when I was thinking about the question myself, I was like, you know what my favorite part was? And all this color and all this rainbow of fruit flavor madness was the whipped cream, which were just these ladies in white with these gauzy white wings and they were just floating around. And it was such a nice contrast to the color saturation of everyone else. And I thought that that's something interesting to keep in mind even for my own designs, that if you've gone a lot in one direction, like say you've done a lot of muted tones or a lot of neutrals, sometimes that relief can be found when you add that touch of bold color, when you add something that's dark in a room that's filled with lightness, or um, one of my favorite things to do, because there's kind of a slight reaction to wood these days, warm wood tones are really out. If people are going to use wood tones, they want to do something ashy or with a gray wash. And I find that by inserting a little bit of warm walnut into a room, just a few doses, it can instantly make the room feel more cozy, homey, welcoming. So just thinking about translating what I saw in the ballet today, what really inspired me by the ballet today, which, you know, I really thought I'd be more moved by the chocolate-covered cherries that were bopping around or by the, um, you know, the chocolate toffee coffee people floating all over the stage. And instead, it was the white whipped cream. Hmm, there's metaphors there. So many metaphors. But I have an exciting question that came in from Jamie. So let's get to it. Jamie writes, we are potentially selling our house soon. What would be your must-do projects that can be done in 30 days that will make an impact on buyers? The first thing is to declutter. Declutter, declutter, declutter. Also, get rid of a lot of your personal pictures, you know, pictures of you and your family in the picture frames, they are very distracting for buyers. Even if you keep the same picture frames and just rip pages out of, you know, Travel and Leisure magazine with landscapes versus that imagery of people, it will be a big help. The other thing I would recommend is I would recommend putting on a backsplash in your kitchen if you haven't done so already. What's another thing that you could do? Um... Hmm. You know, also, I find personal books to be really distracting. So if you have a lot of personal books, I'd probably reduce the quantity of them on your shelves by about a third. That way you can have some open space. Speaking of open space, if you do have pictures everywhere, I'd take a few down. Um, if you don't have drapes up, I would highly recommend putting up some drapes. Very affordable. You can find amazing options on Bed Bath & Beyond, JCPenney, Sears, and they will not only draw the potential buyer's eyes up, but they will also make your window look bigger as long as you hang the bracket for the rod up and out. I generally go somewhere between three and six inches outside the window frame and three and six inches above the window frame. That way the drape falls nicely to the side but doesn't eat up all your window and all your natural light. In fact, it expands the window making it look larger. 
So there's a few things you can do. The other thing I would do is buy some plants. Buy some plants or fresh flowers, or if you'd rather, you can do fresh fruit. Apples and oranges I find have the most longevity and put them in apothecary jars or centerpiece bowls really to add that life because the other thing you want to think about is not only making your house presentable but making it somewhat aspirational so that somebody not only could see themselves living there but really wants to live there and who doesn't want to live around fresh flowers or a well-attended centerpiece bowl. So there we go. I have another question that has come in from Brooke. Brooke writes, Hi, I want to thank you for all your paint help. Is it okay to use lightest, medium, and dark on the same card? I am using Horizon sleigh bells and maybe one darker. I also love that you love sectionals. We are on the hunt for a smaller one. Okay, so when I'm looking at a paint card, I very rarely use more than two that are right next to each other. So for instance, if I have an entryway that I want to be quite dramatic, well, I would use the darker shade in that entryway. And then that living room that gets a lot of natural light, well, I'd use a shade that's two shades lighter because due to the natural light, it will feel much lighter than the entryway, even more than two shades lighter because the entryway doesn't get any natural light and tends to be a darker space. So just by its very nature, even if you were to paint the same color in the entry that you did the living, the entry would feel darker because it doesn't get the natural light. So when you really do paint it a darker color, you get that drama. Whereas if you were going on the same paint card and you did the entry in the lighter color and you did the living room in the darker color, well, they might turn out to look like the same tone unless it was dramatically darker and lighter because the one, the living, gets the natural light and the entry is already darker by nature. So you want to emphasize those attributes, darker and lighter, by painting the paint in that way. So that way you can see a contrast. Did any of that make sense? I said I wasn't checked out for the weekend. I said I was invigorated, but turns out I'm a little tired. <laughs> turns out I'm a little ready for a happy hour. I'm actually, let's just keep it real. I'm a little bit ready to go home, plop my kids in the tub after camp and start cooking with a glass of wine. I don't even know what we're having. Do I have to go get groceries right now? Anyway, back into design mode. Brooke, you had another question for me. You're on the hunt for a smaller sectional. Yes, so a smaller sectional is a great idea because getting anything that's too overwhelming, you know, I always say not more than three people is going to sit on any one arm of a sofa because nobody wants to talk over Brooke and Bob to get to Bridget, right? It's awkward. It's weird. So even if that arm of the sectional is 120 inches long, really more than three people there feels uncomfortable, socially uncomfortable. Um, so downsizing your sectional is a great idea. I am hesitant to get a sectional that's shorter, excuse me, on the long arm than 96 because it's just very short. In other words, some sectionals have a short arm at 72. Well, you're only going to fit two people on that arm because nobody really sits on that corner wedge unless it's um, a little bit chunkier than normal. People don't tend to sit in the corner because there's no place to to put your knees. Uh, these are all things to keep in mind. So I'm glad that you're downsizing, Brooke, but don't go too small. Don't go any smaller than 96 by 72 because it really limits how many people you're going to get on there and then you might as well just do a standard sofa. 
Erin from Victoria is saying, hi, you ask, can a back hall be dark like a navy with white trim? Definitely. You know, I often like small spaces to feel dramatic. I don't usually make the hallway a star just because when you do do something like a bold, dramatic color, you want to do that so that it emphasizes itself, so that it draws attention to itself. And rarely do I have a hallway where I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to show off this hallway. Typically, I want to show off the um, rooms that are branching off of the hallway. It's kind of like, you know what just occurred to me? One of those stalks of broccoli. You know, when broccoli, or not broccoli, oh my goodness, Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. Uh, when you have the big stock and then you have all the Brussels sprouts off the stock, well, you know, rarely would I want to draw attention to the stock. I'd be more inclined to draw attention to those adorable sprouts. So that's how I feel about a hallway. Draw attention to the rooms and keep the hallway neutral. But that's just my thought. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Let me get to some questions that have come into the mailbag while I'm here. Uh, hold on, because we've got some good ones this week. My first one came from Sammy. Sammy writes, I love your show. I have written in before and you helped me avoid painting my bedroom red. Glad I could help. Thank you, by the way. This time I'm writing to inquire about the best place to buy an affordable English arm roll sofa with a performance fabric that also happens to be comfortable. I remember you saying July was a great time to buy sofas because the stores run sales. Any stores in particular you would recommend for this particular type of sofa during this time of year would be greatly appreciated. I'm a Midwest girl from Missouri like you, so stores that are within driving distance would be really great. Thanks, Sammy. So, Sammy, your request is somewhat specific. An English roll arm sofa is not your typical rolled arm sofa that has this chunky sort of ballooning circle that comes off of a straight arm. Rather, an English rolled arm is quite small, quite nuanced, often has puckering or a pleating of the fabric on the side, and it's very subtle. It's a lower style arm that just kind of grows off of the back of the sofa and has got a small curve to it. It's dainty looking. For me, it kind of reminds me of Victorian era furniture, whereas that rolled sofa that so many of us are familiar with that tends to be a more traditional style 
tends to be quite chunky. This is subtle, nuanced, low, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully you can envision that in your mind's eye. That being said, there's not a wide selection of this type of sofa. It's a less common look. I happen to know of some styles at Crate and Barrel, um, but of course that would be really pricey. I do know of a few styles at more affordable stores. For instance, Ikea has a great English arm roll sofa. World Market happens to have one, as does One King's Lane. But the problem with a couple of those stores, like Wayfair has a nice selection of these, is that you can't sit on them in person ahead of time. And while I am originally from Missouri, I haven't lived in Missouri in 20 years. So I don't actually know what stores are actively there. That being said, I know that Pottery Barn and Crate and Barrel have one apiece English arm roll sofa, but the price point, you know, is going to be $2,000 by the time you add shipping and tax. Now, there must be Ikeas in Missouri. I really think that there are, but you'd want to go sit on this sofa because it's a little bit lower than normal, but, um, but it's very adorable and priced right. And like I said, you could take a chance. You could order that sofa from Wayfair. You could order it from One King's Lane, but you want to check the return policies because if you do get it and find that it's not comfortable you don't want to be stuck with it there's also places like interior define where you can make your sofa online and you can choose the stuffing you can choose that performance fabric you're hoping for but again you can't sit on it ahead of time which makes me feel a little hmm, hesitant right um i'm just scrolling through here to try and find some missouri-based stores Ashley Furniture appears to have one, and perhaps there's an Ashley Furniture located near you. And yeah, those stores I mentioned, those seem to be your best options. So I would look there and um, head to Ikea first, because like I said, you're going to get more bang for your buck, but of course, sofas are so important. It's key that you sit on it. I would never buy a sofa I hadn't sat on in advance unless the returns policy was very liberal. All right, so let's see here. Um, let me go back to the mailbag and get to my next question, which comes from Jenna. Jenna writes, Hi Betsy, I'm a new listener. I just bought a house in February and I have become obsessed with interior design and your podcast. I have heard every episode. I also live in Washington, D.C. and I'm very intrigued about your expansion here. I would love to attend a grand opening. I am also a podcast premium member. Well, I have good news for you, Jenna. Before I get to your questions, I'm going to be recording another bonus episode right after this. So I'm going to hop off the Facebook Live, hop off the podcast recording, and going right into a bonus episode recording where I will dig into my interior design diary and tell you what I've been up to, tell you about recent clients, recent challenges, recent triumphs. You will not want to miss it. Head to Big Design smallbudget.com. Anyway, let's get back to your question. Your major question is about breakfast nooks. Based on Pinterest, this seems to be a really popular concept, but there's nothing on the market under $10,000 for a nook. I am talking about a corner banquette with a pedestal table. See my attached dream photos. None of my friends seem to know what I am talking about. I think they are imagining a retro diner. I would love to hear your thoughts about nooks in general. There must be a reason why there is so little on the retail market. 
All right, I do have feelings about Nooks. In fact, I was just shopping for Nooks with a virtual client who was wanting to create a media Nook, meaning that it would be just like a breakfast Nook, but it would be in the corner of her conservatory. Isn't that nice? I have never designed a room called a conservatory before. So it was a first, a house in Pennsylvania. Like I said, I was doing it online. Um, so in her conservatory, she wanted a corner nook that could be used as a desk, as a place to play games, as a place to be on the laptop that's somewhat away from the sitting area. But still, everybody can kind of group together while they're working on their different media tablets, pads, laptops, etc. Uh, and we were shopping for a retail nook. She didn't want to go custom. And we looked at Crate and Barrel, we looked at West Elm, and we looked at Ballard Designs. All of these did happen to have nooks, but none of them met your budget requirements. They were all well over $2,000. I think the general price point was around $2,500 with shipping and tax. And why do I feel like they're not that popular? Well, first of all, a lot of people do not have a good space for a nook. I feel that your nook should be, you know, a 90 degree angle, angle like that, that does not have windows where you have the full wall to wrap around that banquette seating without encroaching on a window or a door or an opening. And that's hard to find architecturally. But also people want the independence, the autonomy of a chair. They want to be able to push it in and out. They don't want to have to ask Julie if she'll move so that Jenna can get out of the nook. It does have that diner-like feel. Um, I think it's somewhat more appropriate in a kitchen area than, say, your conservatory, uh, which was a little bit more unexpected. And so I'm not anti the banquette. It's just difficult to get ones that aren't built in that look like they're going to have that stability and that nice quality. I mean, most people would opt to just do the round pedestal table that you're talking about, but with four chairs on a diagonal. That being said, you seem very interested in the banquette, and I do think you'll find one. I'm just not confident you're going to find one in your budget. Let's get to your next question. Your next question is, Specific to my house, my husband and I are both into this idea and we have a two-year-old who we can see jumping on top of this nook literally. We do not have pets. I see the appeal of a built-in and if that's what we have to do, I think it will take a few years to save because we have other house repairs that are needed. But I really am surprised there's no option in the $500 to $1,000 range for a nook. Um, I would like to budget for two wings of a bench like a sectional. Right, so that's just what I was talking about. And the one thing I'm thinking is there may be some kind of hack. There may be some kind of Ikea hack. There may be some kind of hack in general. So you might want to type in banquet hack because really on the retail market, I only know of those three places that I recently sourced and they were all going to be over $2,000. And then you mentioned that you're going to plan to ditch, oh, excuse me. Okay, okay, okay. Just scanning, scanning, scanning. Okay. Um, let me see here. One second. I'm going back to your question. So you showed me some pictures of your space. And you were asking, you know, if you do do this built-in bank hat, what color should you go with? Because you have white trim. You have buttercream uh, kitchen cabinets. And then you mentioned that you kind of have this gray caramel colored black countertop and those are similar colors that we can find in your floor tile 
So you mentioned that you want to keep a, your round table, but what fabric should you bring in? Now with kids, I would be really hesitant to do a fabric as a breakfast nook because it's going to get really stained. And the thing is, when you change out a chair because it got stained, well, you're just paying for one chair. When you change out a breakfast nook, you've got the whole cushion that is now stained. One accident makes a much larger area look bad and is much harder to fix. So I would be more inclined to go with the leather or the pleather or a material that's very forgiving or just do some kind of wooden banquette, which you may be able to find on a place like Etsy. Um, they might do something custom for you at a more affordable price if you forego the cushion. Uh, let's see, let's see. You mentioned that you have sun that comes streaming in the window and you're wondering if you should do shutters or maintain the curtains. Oh my gosh, Jenna, we're getting very granular. I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to reference that particular image. Give me one sec. One sec. Um, I'll vamp in the meanwhile. Um, oh my gosh, my brain is too fried for vamping. I really am still caught up in the world of whipped cream. It was so enchanting and these big puppet heads and these magical movements, but I almost feel you know, watching the ballet, because it, it had literally been, I think, a decade since I've been to the ballet. But watching it, because all the costumes, all the scenery was so overwhelmingly opulent, so intricate, so otherworldly, it really took away from the dancing for me. And I had a hard time appreciating how impressive the dancing was because it was so obscured by these bulky costumes. You know, the guy who was... um sugar prince sugar king he had this really big triangular sort of poncho on and it made it difficult to see his body and the articulations of his movements and so that i feel i kind of wish they were two separate experiences because i'm watching these prima ballerinas do things that are really you know out of control amazing and it was hard to fully appreciate that. Whereas when they were in those white whipped cream outfits, I could see every nuance and it was really about the dancing. I was really there for the dancing. So interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay, hold on one sec. Oh no. Oh, well, hold on. Do I have any live questions before I get back? Jenna, it's very hard for me to see your pictures. But, you know, do I normally like a curtain in an eating area that's close to the kitchen? No, because it's going to get grimy and gross, especially if your breakfast nook is right next to the curtain because the kids are going to wipe their hands on the curtains. So would I be inclined to do a blind? Yes. I'm rarely inclined to do a shutter. A shutter is pretty extreme. It's pretty dated. It can be expensive. And then, of course, with a shutter, you have to have room on the sides of your window, whether it's inset and then eats up a little of your natural light, or whether it's outset and can fold back and touch the walls. Shutters just aren't my go-to, I must say. Um, I was, oh, designing that conservatory, and she was like, well, you know, my windows are so massive, her windows were massive, that there weren't a lot of options. And she was saying that her builder, the Toll House Brothers, or Toll Brothers, excuse me, Toll House. I must have cookies on the brain after seeing whipped cream. But Toll Brothers, they offer plantation shutters. And I do like that look, especially in a home of that style. But again, it's so bulky. It's a structural thing that's quite big. And whether it moves to one side or stays constantly there, and then you just diffuse the light with the lever, it's just a lot of look, right? It's hard to do a shutter in a um, delicate way. All right, 
Let's go back to the mailbag and let's see what else has come in before I sign off for the weekend. Um, okay, so let's see here. You know, I don't, Jenna, have a lot of expertise in these nooks because most people do not ask for them. You know, we're affordable interior design, so we never recommend anything custom unless the client is just getting our opinion. But we don't actually manage the build of the unit. So you're asking me about weight limits and things like that, and oh my goodness, I do not know how much tonnage a nook can take. But if you brought that prefabricated nook, they would be able to tell you all that at West Elm or at Crate and Barrel. So feel free to check with them. And you know, it sounds like you're really into the nook. Go ahead and go for it. If there's a dream, people, if you have something you really want, and there's no reason architecturally why you shouldn't have it, and if you happen to own your space and it's worth saving for, by all means, save for it. Jenna, I think you know in your heart of hearts that you're not going to be happy with anything less. Buy that banquette. All right, so let's get to my very last question, which comes from Jessica. And she writes, Hi, Betsy. I absolutely love your podcast. Thank you so much for all of your helpful info that you work so hard to put out every week. I found your podcast a couple of months ago, right when my fiance and I were moving from a 600-square-foot apartment in San Francisco to our 2,600-square-foot home in Scottsdale. Needless to say, there has been and still is a lot to do in terms of designing and furnishing our new space. I've been following many of your tips, and I feel like the space is coming together. But one thing that has me totally is at a loss is that we have an open floor plan house where the living room, dining room, kitchen, and entry are all open to one another. The main wall in the living room is basically comprised of six large niches. Five of them are super deep. I'm thinking I can put some kind of decor in the top two, but I have no idea what to do with the bottom spaces. The middle one almost looks like a fireplace should have gone there, but then they never built it. Eventually, I would like to hire a carpenter to help me build something more visually appealing in the space. But until then, which may be a couple of years, I need something less expensive and quicker, but still a good solution. Please help. I look at this wall with its niches every day and I cringe. By the way, we are filling in the top middle niche to flatten the wall and mount the TV. I'm attaching a picture I hope will help, and we are painting next week so the walls will be a grayish, not this Egyptian sand color. I hope that helps Jessica. Well, Jessica, I don't actually see a picture attached to this email, so maybe it didn't come through the ethernet. But I have a feeling, I have a sense of what you're talking about, and so let me share my opinion with you. These niches sound wackadoo. They sound big. They sound sort of rhythmic in their patterning. And you can see them everywhere. I have a couple of thoughts. My first thought is to Google. Google wall with niche. See what people have done. Um, I have definitely installed things in niches, like sculptures, which I bought on... Um, sachiart.com. They can have some great sculptures you can put in your price point, you can put in your height, and you can immediately see things that would fit in your niches. But of course, sculptures tend to be expensive. Now, they do have some big kind of sculptural items at places like Serena and Lily, places like um, Z Gallery. There's a lot of interesting sculptural pieces that are on pedestals. You could even maybe look at Etsy for something, again, original, that's a little bit more affordable than SachiArt.com. But these niches just sound weird. Like, have you thought about just boxing them up? Depending on how tall they are, you could just line them side to side with books. You could do big books. Um, 
what's, I mean, I had a client the other day who had a tutor home in Westchester. I think it was Rybrook. And she had these goofy niches, which were there from the era of the home. They were carved in plaster, so they didn't actually look that sophisticated. And inside, she had painted them like an accent color. But then you're just accentuating how weird and goofy they are, and she didn't put anything in them. She felt very hesitant about patching up these niches. And I was like, they're weird. They are not offering anything. You do not have anything to put in them. It is a bad distraction versus a good one. So, you know, I might be inclined to patch them up. Just because you have them doesn't mean they're good. And patching them up would be very affordable. And then they allow you to use the wall to hang artwork, to put a bookcase. In fact, if you wanted to flank the TV with two bookcases to just cover the niche, well, I would be okay with that too. Because that way you wouldn't have to make the permanent decision of patching them up. And you could conceal them until you figure out what to do with them. Because, you know, a lot of people think that niches will be interesting places to put things, but then they don't have anything. And then the burden of finding something becomes so onerous that they never do anything. Now, one thing I could see, hmm, you are in Scottsdale, is you could do some plants. You know, maybe these become your cacti niches because cacti could grow or you could select the size that you're looking for and then they don't tend to bush or flop outside the niche. They could say structurally erect, right? And they wouldn't be um, hanging out. Hmm, that's an idea. But I'm not sure if that Southwest style is really up your alley. But these are the thoughts I have, Jessica, for multiple strange niches. And guys, if you have amazing thoughts about multiple strange niches or anything, feel free to write me. Send me an email to Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. Hop onto our Facebook page at Affordable Interior Design and leave a question, leave a comment. Enjoy your weekend. I hope you're off to do something fabulous, even if it's just sit outside in a lawn chair and read the paper because that really is the thing I'm looking forward to most this weekend. And I will catch you next week. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about.
A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.